Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. It is the place to be for all your daily fantasy needs. It is Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Alfred, Gray Flowers with you, powered by FantasyGuru.com. Uh, back in the captain's seat. Uh, good to be here. Took yesterday off. Uh, Justin Finsterman filled in, and Ray, it looks like you survived. You don't look any worse for the wear um, after taking on Justin for an hour yesterday. Yeah, thank you. It was a battle. Uh, we put our, rolled our sleeves up and put up our dukes and had a nice, uh, you know, battle back and forth. He tried to get inside. I tried to stay outside with my reach <laughs> advantage. And uh, in the end, it was kind of a draw. Kyle. Now, let me know, uh, sleeves or not, yesterday. He wore sleeves and he was called out by the listeners uh, and gave his standard in, you know, four months, five months thing. He's flossing the guns when it gets warmer again. You know what I think really happened is um, he lost a bet. Probably had to get a tattoo on his shoulder. He can't stand it. And so he's in the process of having it removed. (laughs) It's like a baby shark or something for his kid. There's something going on there because Justin is not one to shyly. Uh, cover up his arms. But anyway, big thanks to uh, Finsterman for helping out yesterday. I know he and Ray uh, with uh, baseball, football, a little bit of basketball as well. Uh, Today, we will not have the basketball, but we will have plenty of uh, football and baseball. First off, it is great to have everybody back with us on this Wednesday as we get a bit closer uh, to the Super Bowl. I I, I have not checked, Ray. I I did notice Monday, uh, Monday evening, I was watching a couple of things and they had crews, you know, out there in Vegas and it was pouring down rain. Um, and then I saw yesterday on the evening news, the weather guy was showing like 30 miles north of, of Vegas. And it's like a giant snowstorm. It's like 10 inches of snow. So I, I don't know what the weather is, but I feel bad. That, you know, there's a lot of people, Ray, who are like, man, this is going to be great going to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to be warm, going to be nice. And they're kind of getting crappy weather. But I guess it doesn't. Vegas, not only is the game indoor, Ray, but all the fun is kind of indoor as well in Vegas. Yeah, it looks like I'm looking at the schedule quickly and it looks like it's, High 40s, low 50s to the week. Ooh, like so it's daily? Daily. Ugh, yeah. Yuck. Saturday, it's supposed to be sunny uh, with the high of 52 in Vegas. So it's, it's, it's warmer in St. Louis, Missouri this week than it is in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, it's 50 degrees right now in California where I'm at in the Bay Area. So we could might get to 55 today. Yeah, that's to my point, Ray. They should have the Super Bowl right here in Missouri. Oh, is that, is that yeah. it? it? Right in the stadium that no one uses. That, they well, the stadium still the A, Ray. Yeah. Battlehawks. Okay, sorry. Use the stadium. Sorry. Okay. There are people that still use the stadium. Yeah. It's a dump. Um, did Reggie Bush ever get his money back? Do you remember that Reggie Bush like wiped out on the uh, St. Louis sidelines and he claimed that it ruined his career forever and he sued him. They they had like, you know, concrete just beyond the turf mm-hmm. and he ran to the sidelines towards the uh stands. Right. And he like lost his footing and blew his knee out and he claimed that that ended his career at that. Moment. I don't remember if he got his money. Um, yeah. I do remember that you got me a tour of the stadium when I went to St. Louis for the first time, yeah. and I was uh, very surprised by how dark it is in there. Yeah, like there's no natural light. No. It's, it, you can't see the field from any of the walking around you know, yep. concourses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It's kind of like um, U.S. Cellular on the south side of Chicago, which you know, for those who followed this, you know where I'm going, but. They, they built that ballpark there to replace Comiskey. And it's a monstrosity, and it's from the 70s and 80s. And 
the very next year, Camden Yards opened up, and that ushered in a whole new era of great, cool ballparks. And meanwhile, the White Sox got stuck with their, you know, last of its kind, if you will. Although they are trying to get a new stadium, I think now. I was reading that up in Chicago. The Bears are trying. The White Sox are trying. And the team that actually needs one, the the, the Cubs are not trying. So <laughs> it's kind of, and with St. Louis, here's the other thing. Little, little factoid, Ray, that you didn't think you'd get on a Wednesday morning. When the Cardinals okay. left town and moved to Phoenix, um, specifically Scottsdale is, is where they took up residence. Um, immediately the city of St. Louis said, we got to get a new team. You know, we got to build a new stadium and whether it's an expansion team or we'll still the Patriots, whomever, we, we got to get a new team. So they designed the stadium, right? This was going to get people fired up. Like Walter mm -hmm. Payton of all people was like part of the ownership group to like get people fired up about a new team in St. Louis. And, and so they built these models and had all the plans done. Um, they missed out on expansion. They didn't get the Patriots eventually like, I don't know, eight years after this process started, they got the Rams to move to town. Unfortunately, they never updated the stadium. So like eight years of stadium building and technology had progressed, but they decided not to update it, which to your point is one of the reasons why it's kind of a dump. It, it, it was fun in the glory days, but it was still kind of a dump. It was like a new dump, which is hard to pull off. <laughs> it's not the easy move. Yeah, uh, I was able to look up while you were uh, talking about the history there, Reggie Bush. And I don't know if the money was actually paid out, right? Because you can get a ruling and then it can be appealed. And yeah. I'm looking at a Reuters report. Uh, Bush was actually awarded $12.45 million. $7.5 punitive damages, $4.95 in compensatory damages. This was back in 2018. Okay. Uh, he got the money, uh, but doing searches here as we're doing the show. I'm not positive on it. Yeah. That's probably my money. It's probably like taxpayer money from the region. <laughs> that's probably. So you're welcome, Reggie Bush. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your career. Okay. What do we got today? Decide, uh, despite uh, our, our want to of talking about legal proceedings from a half decade ago, uh, we got baseball, we got football, and we've got a couple of vets uh, signing up. Uh, Jose Altuve gets a giant extension may make him a, a lifelong Astro. And Clayton Kershaw, sort of as everybody expected, back with the Dodgers. Now, his situation's a little different. Uh, we are already knowing that Clayton Kershaw will not be with the Dodgers in the months of April, May, and probably June, uh, probably looking at a second-half return after shoulder surgery. So that is where we stand there. We'll break it down for you. We will continue our preview of all things second baseman. Yesterday, Justin and Ray tackled the surprises of 2023. Today, we will look at the letdowns of 2023 and what the odds are for a turnaround. Uh, Ray will tell us what the hell SWIP is as we continue to talk over his fantasy baseball draft guide over at fantasyguru.com. Super Bowl 58, our matchup of the day. We'll talk about the battle in the trenches. We'll talk San Francisco prop totals for sacks this weekend and we'll get you some news and notes uh more offensive coordinators uh landing in spots and uh, the chargers have hired an oc that might change the the perspective of that offense ever so slightly we'll see um and then zach wilson uh zach wilson is in the trade news which uh ray you can get zach wilson for nothing right now even you ray right now you could probably write a check to the jets mm -hmm. and they'd bring zach wilson to your house you could have them do some gardening lawn work, rake some leaves. You've had a lot of rain, so maybe he can you know, clean off the mess. But for a price, Ray, Zach Wilson could be your uh, pool boy 
for the next few months if you'd want them, I think. Yeah, and everyone pay close attention to the scroll at the bottom of the screen uh, when it goes up here in a few moments because uh, Kyle had a very succinct way of putting the outlook of Zach Wilson. kind of overrated, though, what he might be worth, I think, on that scroll. So we'll get to all that. Before we get to all of that, we get to this, Ray Flowers with deals. Ray, what do we have? Yeah, and everyone should know that. Um, you know, it depends how you, how and where you consume the product, but we're always on the website, fantasyguru.com. After the show, we post it there. You can find the show on YouTube at youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network. As you can see on the screen there, if you miss it live or you don't want to look at my face, which I understand, we have it on a podcast. And so you can go to Pandora, you can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, type in the uh, Fantasy Sports Daily, and you can find us there in a podcast form. Wherever you're consuming us, thank you. Uh, promo code is FSD20. That gets you a 20% discount on all the products, whether you want to do hockey or basketball or, or whatever it might be. You want to buy T-shirts, baseball hats with the swag, FSD20. If you use that code right now for the baseball product, you get a discount of 20% off the early bird pricing. So it costs $40 for the baseball product all the way through the entirety of the season. As you can also see there, we've lowered our uh, deal with the football product. It's $19.99 now. They get you the, the betting guide. That gets you all the seasonal coverage, all the DFS coverage, obviously all the wagering coverage through this week in the Super Bowl. And it also gets you franchise mode, which is basically our run-up to the draft, the, the, the player profiles, all that kind of stuff for the youngsters. That's $19.99. Okay, so that is the run-through, and all the uh, preliminaries are out. Let's get into the meat of the show here on FSD. And we start with the breaking news that the Dodgers have added yet another 50 innings to their rotation. Um, Clayton Kershaw, Ray, is going to be back for another go-around, which I, I got to admit, with, with both these guys, we're going to talk about Altuve in a bit. But, but Ray, I, I like this stuff when, when mm -hmm. guys uh, stick with the team. And, sure. and right now, Kershaw's had opportunities to leave. And I'm sure other teams have offered him decent deals. Uh, but he's always come back to L.A. And I think part of that is the idea of, you know, he can kind of walk away kind of being that new version of Koufax, you know, mm -hmm. or dry you know whatever it may be this pitcher of gibson that stays with one team and it probably doesn't mean anything truly but it means something i think to baseball fans when you know hey cal ripkin jr he's an oriole kirby puckett that guy's a twin mike schmidt he's a philly you know they, these things do kind of mean something uh willie mays is a new york met we we don't get to <laughs> well, back to new york he went back to, back to new york i guess but yeah <laughs> Uh, but it's it's good on that aspect. But Ray, for for what we care about, it's a what is Kershaw and B, how much do we get to see him? And this year, Ray, we're going to see less of Clayton Kershaw than we've even gotten used to in the past five years or so. Yeah, and to me, there's so many remarkable things going on here. One, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Two, it's great to see a guy go in with a Dodger cap instead of a baseball hat, right? Because it does look like he's going to end his career with the Dodgers instead of having 14 different logos on there. He had the, his worst whip in 12 years last season. It was 106. Yeah, I was going to say what was. Okay. And I think it's remarkable because, you know, you look at Kershaw, and to your point, 120 innings, 126 innings, 131 innings. Those are his totals the last three years. The last time he threw 150 innings was 2019. It's been a long time. He's not the dominator he once was. But for him to still be able to post an area in the twos, to still post a whip that's barely one, to still get a strikeout inning at this point of his career with injuries, with diminished stuff, it just shows you how great he is. Because his, I mean, he was he 85% of what he used to be? Like, you know, he's not the same guy. And yet he still goes out there and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball still 
in the ratio categories. Kyle. And and Ray, he's got no more velocity, really. I mean, I guess when he really rares back, you know, you get at 93 or whatever, but it's, it's learning to pitch. And even last year, I mean, every single year almost, he's striking out at least a batter per inning for his mm-hmm. career. He's 9.8. He obviously wears down. I mean, these innings pitched are, um, you know, 58, 121, 126, 131, postseason not included. So th- this year, Ray's coming off the shoulder surgery. And at his age, what he'll, he'll be 36. Yep. He's not finished, but he's obviously old, coming off a, a fairly involved surgery and process. Mm-hmm. Let's say he is back post All Star, and I I gotta think Ray. There's there is gonna be no push for him. They're gonna take it very very like it, I would Ray. They may tell us he's ahead of schedule. He's looking great, but I don't think they're pushing him onto a major league diamond to give them five six innings for like August maybe. Yeah, you know that that that's really what this is. Is they sign him for the stretch run and for the postseason. So for the Fantasy player, like as far as I'm concerned, Ray, these are zeros for like the first four months. Because mm-hmm. even if he gets out there in July, it's three innings, 65 pitches. You know, what are you truly getting there? And this all leads to what do we do in the next month when we're drafting? And I, I was just looking at ADP before the show, and he's like in the 500s. So right. a lot of people out there won't even get to a point where Clayton Kershaw can be drafted. So does that mean it's a waste? Because people think stash. That's what they think. Right. Um, is it a wasted stash in your mind? I think it depends on a variety of factors. I'll go through them quickly. If you're in a shallow mixed league, no. If you're in a 15-team mixed league, maybe. Uh, it depends how deep your bench is. And I think the key is how does your league handle the waiver wire? I'm in leagues where it's you know five guys, uh, and that's the limit. I'm in leagues where there's no limit. You mean IL, um, IL, not IL spot. Sorry, yeah. What did I say? Uh, waiver wire. Waiver. Sorry, sorry. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I'm in leagues where it's five spots, and that's all you've got. I'm in leagues where I'm in a league where it's three. I'm in a league where it's unlimited. I think the answer to your question is how does your league handle the IL? I gotta because, have five. I think I need five to keep him. Yeah, I think, and, and even if you do, so that's the thing. You don't want to take him in the twentieth round. Like if you want to take him with your last pick or two, put him on there and just see. Okay, but understand, and from personal experience. I mean, there have been times the last couple of years where I've had 12, 13 guys on the injured list at one time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in those leagues, it's okay because I have unlimited. But to your point, if you've got five spots and you got seven guys hurt and Clay's you know, still six weeks away, are you holding him? So he is a luxury. Uh, and I think that if you take him, you, you, I think you framed it correctly. He might still end up being better in the fantasy space than we're anticipating. That very well could happen. Could be worse. But you can't invest in him at any point where there, there's any level of counting on him because we just don't. He may not even pitch this year. I mean, that's yeah. a possibility. Uh, we just don't know. Yeah, there is a player option for 2025. And that was kind of put there, I think, with the idea that it's not certain. It's expected, but it's not certain that he's back at some point. I, I would say, Ray, in a normal league and normal setups, it ain't worth a stash. Even with five DL spots, I don't. I don't think it's worth your time. And I say that. Because I, I am crossing my fingers at best. He gets like 10 full strength starts. And honestly, that number probably has a better shot of being eight full strength starts. And what I mean by full strength is where they say, yeah, give us 90 pitches. Give us six innings. You know, we're not yanking you after three and a half. Or if you get the first 10 guys out or the second time, you know, we're not, we're not on that ramp up, if you will, towards the postseason. And when I think of it that way, Ray, it's like... 
sure, those eight starts may be fine, but honestly, maybe two of them are duds, you know, maybe six of them. Are. So we're talking about a guy, again, six to eight starts that you're going to be like happy with. And I, I don't care what your name is or who you are. I'm not interested in stashing that. I, You know, it, it's one of those things where if I'm sitting there in the middle of July and, oh, wow, Clayton Kershaw's out there. He's probably going to be back in three weeks. I can get him for two bucks. Right. That's the move. It's not something in March or any time before July, I don't think. Well, it's tough because not that there would be a fervor, right? But it's Clayton Kershaw. And yeah. there's a difference between going to the way where I'm picking up Clayton Kershaw or Wade Miley, right? So there, there might be a little aggressiveness. <laughs> Even though they might be the same guy. <laughs> they might be. And, I, you know, you said it, I think, too, at the start, and it's worth repeating. Like, you know, it's a knee. Here's the process. It's an elbow. Here's the process. Shoulders, historically speaking, are really tough. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's it's quite possible, and I, we all don't want to think this is, okay, Clayton Kershaw might go out there and he's throwing 86 miles an hour. And he just can't get on top of the curve anymore. And, you know, so, yeah, he's he's a luxury pick. You know, over at FantasyGuru.com, I think we've got him at, like, 109 in the rankings. You know, he, we've got him for two bucks in an NL only league, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, and I assume if and when he is out there, he'll be very good. I yeah. assume that, but I just don't know how long that's going to be. And it's kind of perfect alignment. We get the news on Kershaw returning to L.A. Um, a guy a year ago who was the big, do you stash him or not, was Jose Altuve. And, Ray, I was gung-ho on stashing him, and then I got to every draft, and he was gone so quick. Like, people were totally fine with stashing him and taking him way before I would have. Right. Well, I didn't get him anywhere. Um, Altuve gets an extension. At least it's been announced. I guess it's not official, but it's a big one. It's five years, 125 million. Uh, that again, will make him nearly a, a lifelong Astro. We'll see how the back end of that contract goes. Uh, but Ray, to speak to last season, those who stashed him, e even if they went earlier than I would have, they probably win because they got 90 games of really good play from Jose Altuve. I mean, even missing, 70 games, over 70 games. I think he still finished as a top 10, top 11 second baseman. Uh, Ray, if you just prorate all that out, he would have been a number three, number four second baseman again. It's he, he didn't show, and he's had a little bit of up and down, and the game has changed slightly for him, like how he gets his numbers. But, Ray, overall, we're talking about a really awesome 10-year run here. And, and last year was another great year, despite the fact it was just 90 games. Yeah, and I mean it's you know very conceivable he ends up in the Hall of Fame when his career is over, right? Oh, yeah, there, there, there's the garbage can things and you know all that crap. But like you know, there, there's been a lot of people that have come out and said that Altuve was you didn't want to know anyway. Like he was one of the guys that was like, he's just amazing. He's an amazing player when you consider his performance and his physical size. I mean, we've all everyone's talked about. They, what do they list him at? Five six, one seventy. Okay. He's 5'6". I mean, he might be 180. I don't know. He's five. He's tiny. And dude's blasting 30 home runs. And that was the thing when he started his career. He's hitting two, five, seven. Like, he's that slapping Judy kind of hitter. And he's developed an ability to be a consistent 25 home run hitter, which is amazing. And he's still batting 300. He's just really good. And, you know, we had that huge lull from 2019 to 2021 in the stolen base department from him. Single-digit steals. In the last two years, he's stolen 32 bases. So he's even brought that part of his game back a little bit. I, I think he's one of the safest options in baseball at the second base position. Uh, he's a 285 hitter. He's a 20 home run guy. He's a 10 steal guy. 
And then it's basically up from there, Kyle. Yeah, and it's weird, Ray, to say that that at the age of 34, that's usually me personally. I'm kind of out. You know, I, I start to think the, the cliff is coming. I can see it. I'll, I'll gladly be a year early. But with Altuve, especially at this position, and we're going to continue our discussion of second base here in a bit. At this position, Ray, I've got no issue whatsoever with this 34-year-old going with the fourth right now at the position. Now, I will say overall, he's still in the top 40. I, you know, I get to that spot at 40, Ray, and I'm probably looking for somebody else than Jose Altuve. And it's not really a knock on – well, I guess it is a slight knock on him, but I feel there are better options in the 40s, guys who are eight years younger that maybe give you a more well-rounded game because the, the steals, you're, you're hoping for 15 probably now with Jose Altuve. But, I mean, if it's a 25-15 season, hitting 298, mm -hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. And the runs will be there. Yep. So, like, I totally get it. And I'm fine with a 34-year-old being ranked that highly within this position. I'm not really cool or down for drafting a 34-year-old in the top 40. That's – and not, I'm not saying that's a blanket statement. I've never drafted a 34-year-old. Uh, but in, in his state, at his age, I probably would pass on that. That that overall rank's a little too rich. The positional rank's fine, but the overall rank is too rich for me. I always find it really interesting how – ADP reflects the thought process of people because Jose Altuve is not a ceiling pick. He's not. He's a floor pick. And like you're saying, I, we have him fourth at second base at fantasyguru.com. Okay. So uh, taking him at that spot, I agree with it. I do agree with you as well. Taking him at pick 38 overall, it's like, yeah, you know, and, and it's fascinating because then you'll see, I'm looking at ADP for the, the last 30 days here at the NFBC and the guy right behind Altuve is CJ Abrams. Yeah. And CJ Abrams <laughs> is a ceiling pick, right? Yeah. He could still 52 bases and bat 300. He's a he's not he doesn't have anywhere near the floor of, of Jose Altuve. Nowhere near the floor, of, but he's got but look, the ceiling. Look at the, guy, look at the guys just ahead of Altuve, though, and, and these are seal Harris, Bachette, Vlad. I mean, Ray, I don't want to be stuck at 36 ending up with Altuve when I could have gotten any one of those three guys. And I, I think that's a fair way to look at it. So. To me, and you know this, and this is uh, something we espouse, or at least I espouse and I have for years, early in a draft, you want stability. So it's never, it's not wrong to take Jose Altuve. It's not wrong at all. But it is interesting to see the players taken around him in the way that there's a mixture of, yes, the stability, no, you know. I mean, Altuve's gone as high as 16th overall in the NFBC in that time. I mean, someone <laughs> took him in the start started second round. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's not wrong to take him. And I, I personally would slide a little bit more toward it's okay than not because mm -hmm. of the stability. But I totally get your point. It's completely fair. Uh, one thing I'll point out, Astros, it's a lot of money. I mean, I think he's going to be 39 by the time this deal is over, the five years, 125. But to their credit, and I did like this, I, I think his last two years, he's like 10 million bucks. Yeah. They, they, and they're giving a lot, which I'm fine with giving. He's, is he worth it? I, I don't know if he's worth it. But they're paying up front. And the reason I like that, Ray, is it's, less money late to an old guy and it makes him much more tradable True. if you get to that point you know if he's hitting 275 but a team needs a second base to have a push into the playoffs that is a really easy contract to trade late in the season to maybe get you a prospect back so uh, good job by the Astros too in terms of setting up that deal with Altuve let us stay at uh, second base uh, because that is the spot that we are talking about all week long here on Fantasy Sports Daily um tackling the position breaking it down uh, we started on monday with kind of laying out the overall look of second base yesterday justin and ray tackled surprises today 
we talk about disappointments and letdowns and I don't know. Overall, I guess the, the expectations were low enough in a variety of, of spots and variety of names that nobody just crushed you. You know, there, there are guys maybe you drafted to be top five. They ended up top 10, top 12. But in terms of getting crushed, I don't know that there was anybody that, that buried you. Trevor's story, who people can see right there at the top, might be the biggest. And and the fear here, Ray, it's funny. We talked Kershaw, Altuve, and Al Story. With Story, it was, oh, I'm going to pick him up and stash him. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the thing with Trevor's story. I, I've been out on Trevor's story for years now. True. And I've never regretted it. And it's, I like him as a player, Ray. I didn't think the move to Boston was like a positive one. A lot of people thought he'd be fine. I didn't. Um, he's been okay. The problem has been this guy is just beat the hell up. It's it's the body has just been through the ringer. Um, maybe he's missed enough time and gotten healthy enough to like have that one last go around to give you 145, 150 games. And the name still plays like that's still an exciting name, Ray, to get. You say, okay, give me one last hurrah. I I, I guess I'm just going to stick to my guns and say it's not going to happen for Story this year. That rebound and getting 145 games played. I just really struggle with that idea right now. Yeah, he only played one game at second base last year, but he played 90 the year before. So he qualified at second last year. He won't qualify at second this year. It'll only be shortstop. Uh, You know, and he is a very interesting guy. He's 31. So – Theoretically, he feels like he's as old as Altuve, doesn't I know, he? But theoretically, he's in his prime, like he's 31. And you know, you look at his last 137 games, which is over two injury injured seasons, and he does have 19 home runs and 23 steals. So he's still bringing the power and the speed piece at, what, at, at a level. Hitting? What's he hitting, right? Yeah, he's hitting 227, okay, <laughs> which is not good. Uh, his on base percentage is 287, which is even worse. Oh, god, and his slugging percentage is 398. So those are, those are dreadful numbers. Those are yeah, his OPS is under 700. They're bad. Now there are a lot of players with deficiencies in their game that have the power speed combination that in a five by five setup you're interested in. Story really comes down to your setup. If you're in a points league with Trevor Story, oof. if you're in a five by five league, okay, you know there's because there is a difference with how the value is recorded. The real question for Story, to your point, Kyle, is is can he stay healthy? You know, and what does that look like? And the truth is, we don't know what that looks like. He can come in healthy and be ready to go. Can he handle the rigors of 140 games at this point? I don't know the answer to that. So Story, in my mind, is one of those guys you take as a middle infielder, right? You take him as that guy that, you know, if he, if he goes 20-20, fantastic. If he goes 13-10, and I move on, right? Like, it's a, it's not – I'm not taking him early. I'm not pushing him up draft boards. I'm not jumping ADP by 75 spots. I'm not getting aggressive with Trevor Story. But I still think there's enough here – if he can stay healthy, that he's going to return a nice value based upon his cost. Let's say he got to 2020. And if, mm-hmm. if he plays 125 games, I think that's doable. Mm-hmm. But let's say everything else, Ray, is pretty blah. Like he's hitting 229. Right. His ribbies are, you know, 75 ribbies just because he's not getting enough hits. They're really, he's got the home runs, but not enough hits. And, right. you know, we're sitting at. 75 80 runs i mean as a middle infielder you can get away with that right i mean it, it's simply put the 2020 kind of covers up any lacking spots elsewhere because the stolen bases still play even with the advent of more steals and you know getting 20 home runs in effect from a backup middle you know he's not gonna be your starting shortstop not your starting second baseman those things play at least if you're in a 12 or bigger size league i mean you got to be in a bigger league but those things can still make a difference 
despite the shortcomings elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very much like think Anthony Volpe last year, right? It's yeah. it's the same thing. Twenty twenty, but on base percentage isn't good. Batting average is terrible. Like that, you know, that is still it's still usable. And it, you know, I think a lot of times there is that disconnect we talk about all the time between at the end of the year, Trevor Story was a nineteen dollar player. He was, you know, shortstop eleven. And you're like, what are you talking? He, he hit two thirty eight. Like, well, yeah, but he played every day. He scored eighty runs. He drove in seventy six. He went twenty twenty. So you know, you have to build a round story which is there's some players like this right at the, in this day and age where you're, you have to look at them and think 235 mm-hmm. and it's like okay i need to find a couple of the guys hitting 275 i gotta do that i gotta make that part of my plan but i think story can pay off uh the price is is right about you know it's like we're getting to that point kind of with altuve it's, we're like well we're kind of paying for it to pay off but i'm okay with it as long as it doesn't inch higher uh the other guy we got listed here for those watching you can uh, see him down below uh vaude grissom his teammate uh, for those who might have missed it, there was that trade, Chris Sale going to Atlanta. Von Grissom was the big piece going back to Boston. And, and Ray, the good news for Von Grissom is he's probably in this lineup every day. Uh, they're going to give him a leash. Um, for whatever reason last, well, I guess we kind of know the reason. It's The Braves had better options than Von Grissom, but he didn't get much of a chance. And last year, it was crazy, Ray, going into April trying to remember who the heck was even the name with the Braves that was like, oh, they're actually not going to go with Vaughn Grissom. They're going to go with this guy. And everybody's like, what? Orlando Garcia. Yeah, Orlando Garcia. And there was another young guy and he didn't amount to much, but they were like, yeah, we're going to go with these other guys instead of Vaughn Grissom. And every, I remember you and I talking about this. Everyone was still drafting Vaughn Grissom and the news was not a positive. It's like, no, he's, he's not going to be in this lineup. And Ray went to the minors and he was fine. And we eventually got to see him in the majors, but it was just a cup of coffee kind of thing. And now he's with Boston, which I got, I got to believe Ray, it's, it's a better spot for him because there's a, a little less pressure, I think, which is weird to say. What I mean by that is Atlanta's win now. And Von Grissom's been talked about If He comes in. It's like, okay, kid hit, we need you. With Boston, Ray, there's definitely the media attention, the fan attention, but the team's, in effect, retooling. And this guy is going to be, hey, he's the future. He's five, six years from now. We need this guy. Three, four years from now, we need this guy. All that said, he might get to numbers, Ray, on pure quantity because his game could shape up to be really fantasy-friendly this year. Absolutely. And I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, too, Kyle, because you're right. There was someone in middle infielder, and I feel like he got traded, and I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a middle infielder who was a glove guy and not a bat guy like Garcia. Um, I think that Grissom and Grissom's, you know, Grissom will only qualify at shortstop to start the year because he played there 19 times, only second base four times last year, but he's slated to play second base. So that is it Braden Shoemake? I think that's it, Kyle. <laughs> I think that was it. I think Braden, that was, was it. I think it was. He's now part of the White Sox. I think yeah. that was what it is. Yeah, that um, might have been it. Shoemate. You're right. I, yeah. I seem to recall that. I was thinking Shoemaker, but that guy. Now both good. guys are gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They're gone. Grissom, you know, I mean, 12 months ago, Grissom was hot mm-hmm. in fantasy. He was like, surging up boards. He was up. surging. And then we got the news and we're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, and I think the real issue for him is Grissom's glove is not very good. Okay. he's a, he, They're hoping he can be adequate. And there's, he's athletic and all that, so he probably can. He's just not a strong defensive player. There's a ton of not strong defensive players that play Major League Baseball, right? Mm-hmm. It's different, though, when you're a middle infielder. And, you know, you look at what, uh, you know, Grissom did down in the minor leagues last year. I mean, he had 330 in 100 games. 
Yeah. Nine twenty one. The minors are great. Yeah. Nine twenty one OPS. 0.9 walk to strikeout rate. Like this guy profiles as a star, right? And I think everyone believes he's going to hit, and there's a very high expectation he's going to hit immediately. It's the glove. Red Sox are willing to take the chance that the glove will be okay. I think that, you know, 10 to 15 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, 275 average, that kind of thing. I think those numbers are all doable for Grissom this season. So it's interesting to me, as you look at the ADP number there, 380. And I know that number will continue to go up as we get close to opening day, but that number is really low for a guy that does profile to be in the lineup every day for the Red Sox. And and you brought it up with, uh, with a story. Grissom, does he have enough games at second from last year? No, it, I, it all depends. He doesn't. It all depends how your league handles this. In most of the leagues I'm in, it if a guy is a youngster and he comes up to the big leagues and doesn't reach your limit, whether it's 20 games or 50 games, whatever the hell it is, it defaults to the game, the position he played the most. So Short he played down. second base last year only four times. He played shortstop 19 times. So in most of my leagues, he's going to be a shortstop, even though he didn't get to the 20-game limit. And then he'll start playing second base, and then it depends yeah. what your in-season qualification is. So it's very likely in a lot of leagues he'll qualify at both second and shortstop. Okay, so something to keep in mind. you think there's any outfield hope for him? That was talking about with the Braves. you think it could happen with Boston where we have an infield-outfield thing here? I mean, we could. We could, Sure. Yes, we could. I mean, they still haven't brought back um, Adam Duvall. Uh, I think that, you know, when you talk about these youngsters, the team's willingness to move guys around. We saw it. Look at the Reds last year. Spencer Steers everywhere. Matt McClain's everywhere. Teams are very willing to – uh, get guys, keep guys in the lineup, I should say, if their offense is there. So I think there certainly is a possibility that he picks that up. And that's, you know, long-term, depending upon how he does at second base, he might end up in the outfield. So that's definitely something that's under consideration. I, I love that ADP, to second your point. I know you stated it too, yeah. but I, I think that's, I got no issues throwing yeah. a dart on Vaughn Grissom there. Love that spot. So I think late game draft pick, everybody needs to have Vaughn Grissom probably in their back pocket, which is different from the next guy, Jonathan India. Ray, I, I don't mind the idea of drafting India, but right now, I mean, he's top 225, and, and I just can't get behind that. He, he needs to be a lot closer to 300 at this point than he does 200. It's And again, that's not because of what he is or what he can be. It's just the fact that this thing's a mess with Cincinnati. Um, he was a letdown last season, uh, you know, kind of got lost in the shuffle. He's gone backwards since winning Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago, but there's still something there for India, but unlike story, unlike Grissom, we just don't have the games played for him to rebound this year. Yeah. In the rankings over at fantasyguru.com, you can clearly see that I would take Von Grissom instead of India at this point. And I, you know, we, we've talked about this previously. The Reds have too many players. And even if you put in this, Kyle says it all the time, it works itself out. Maybe it will, but unless they make a trade or there's a couple injuries here, I mean, you know, you look, we talk about all the time, the roster resource over at Fangraph, mm-hmm. they're projecting. India to be the DH. Okay, fine, right? The bench would have CES on the bench. He's a 30 home run hitter right now. CES on the bench. Uh, and Luke Fraley, who's a 2015 guy, on the bench. Like, not even in the lineup. Those are two damn good players that are younger, you know, that are, or at least in the case of CES, he's younger. I don't know, man. Like, how long can they make this, like, you know, does everyone kumbaya and everyone's okay playing three out of every four games and left field today, right field tomorrow, second base this time, first base here. I don't know. I mean, I, it you know, the addition of Heimer Candelario really made this a weird, like that piece just didn't seem to be needed. And the Reds have stated he is going to be in their lineup every day. So India, Christian Encarnacio Strand, and Fraley are going to have to battle the, the platoon gods with guys like Will Benson and uh, Jonathan India. 
Yeah, and India may bounce around everywhere. Outfield has been talked about, first base on occasion. Second base, he comes in with that eligibility. If it were to work out for him, and what I mean by that is, let's say, um, you know, Will Benson gets injured for three months and they got to play Jonathan India or same thing happens, say, to Jamer Candelario and they got to play India. I mean, these are ways to get all of that eligibility, which would be kind of exciting. And if you have his bat in the lineup, and again, it could work out, but at that price in the 210s, the 220s, that's not a risk I'm willing to take. That's something I do in the 300s, not in the 200s with a guy like India. Uh, one last name is Jake Cronenworth here. Now, what's interesting with Cronenworth, Ray, is he's kind of a first baseman now. Right. But he still qualifies at second. And honestly, I don't think anybody ever wants to play him at first base. It doesn't really. Second base, again, I don't think anybody wants to. But we're talking about letdowns of a season ago. This guy was a pretty big fall. I mean, the home runs disappeared. The ribbies disappeared. Uh, the average was the same as always. He still played a lot. He's going to play a lot this year, Ray. I, I just throw him out there as somebody to keep an eye on. People forget this. Jake Cronenworth, in year one, finished second as a rookie of the year. Year two, he made the All-Star game. Year three, he made the All-Star game. And year four was last season. So, Ray, this is a talented guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know the All-Star game isn't what it used to be, but this is a talented player who I'd hate to say is, is cooked after a bad season last year. Yeah, and something he has going for him is – you know, he's got a, what, a seven year contract. Like this is, he's not, he's not likely to get benched the seven year contract. Uh, he, he's someone that I've written about in articles at fantasyguru.com. And I'm like, look, based upon the price you have to pay, Cronenworth's of interest. Like he, he's not going to hit 30 on runs. He probably won't even hit 20 on runs. He's not going to steal 10 bases. I don't think he may be back 238. Well, Ray, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is what Kyle said. He qualifies at two spots. He's going to play every day. He is way more likely to finish closer to 2022 than 2023 in terms of his overall production. He's going to pay off the cost. Is it mm -hmm. going to be outstanding? Is it going to be sexy? Is it going to be one your league because of him? No, but the flexibility is nice. And again, he will pay off his draft day cost as long as he stays healthy. Right in the middle of the lineup. Yeah. You know, and it's not a great lineup, but it still does have Machado, Tatis, Bogarts. I mean, it gets really weak on the back end, but Cronenworth is kind of up there, probably in the five hole, somewhere around there, maybe even higher, depending on the day. Uh, so something to pay attention to. Again, of those guys, uh, much more on a Von Gerson train for me versus these other three. Um, still got a, a pretty nice ceiling with Story, who, who can help you in a variety of spots. And I think Cronenworth is an easy grab late, and it's it's the most boring 28th round pick ever, uh, but not a bad one to think about. Uh, we will have much more on second baseman coming your way tomorrow uh, before we uh, jot away from uh, everything that is baseball and get you a little football. Uh, SWIP is what Ray Flowers wants to discuss each and every day. We're talking about something from the world famous fantasy guru uh, draft guide. It's out. It's available right now. Ray was talking about that at the top of the show. Just 40 bucks for not only the guide, but the whole season. Uh, SWIP is one of the articles, and Ray, this is uh, your continuing education of all things fantasy, trying to keep people abreast of, of maybe some new things. We know WIP. Mm -hmm. uh, SWIP is just kind of not only a rhyming play on mm -hmm. WIP, uh, but also kind of a similar stat, but gives a lot more um, credit to the pitcher. You know, WIP is going to hurt you because once the pitcher... You know, once the ball's in play, who knows what happens? Yep. And that's the hit part of whip. But, Ray, we're replacing hits with strikeouts here, which is much more controlled by the pitcher. 
Correct. Yeah. And I, I've said it all the time and I've jokingly called it the triangular arts. And there's a bunch of articles hitting at this. You want strikeouts. You don't want walks. You want ground balls. Like if we're going to be simple. There we go. What kind of pitcher do you want? That's what we want. Now, the problem is a lot of the ground ball guys aren't strikeout guys. A lot of the strikeout guys aren't ground ball guys. So you get the point. But that's as a baseline what we want. And SWIP is something that, you know, came up with it. I don't know the name of it years ago. And it's very simple. Strikeouts minus walks divided by innings pitched. Like it's very simple. You get a, in essence, you get a plus one for a strikeout. You get a minus one for a walk. And then the innings pick, pitch factors in. And so it's a very quick, easy, understandable way to look at the effectiveness of a pitcher. And Kyle said it perfectly there. There's a lot of white noise in pitching. You know, does the ball get blown by the wind? Does it hit a rock? Did the defense, you know, they stand here 90% of the time. They move three feet to the right this time. The ball went right there. I mean, all these things play into it. And sometimes a guy will hit a ball 87 miles an hour on 12 bounces and it's a base hit. Sometimes they'll hit a ball 106 miles an hour on a line and it's an out. And mm-hmm. which is, according to Whip, hey, the guy did a great job. He got an out. But the batter just hit the ball 106 miles an hour. He crushed the pitch. So Whip is is useful, but we'll talk more about that tomorrow and how I think we should replace that too. But Swip directly talks about what the pitcher does, the strikeout, the walk, the innings pitch. And I think it's a really nice, useful tool uh, to look at with the success or failure of a pitcher. So it's uh, strikeouts minus the walks divided by innings pitch. So seven Ks, let's say you walk four guys, that's three mm-hmm. divided by say five innings. And that's 0.6. Mm-hmm. Um, that works well, Ray, because 0.6 is league average. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know whip one, two lower. That's mm-hmm. great. Right. What, what are we looking at for SWIP? Is it anything above 0.6 or are we looking for more there with that number? Yeah, I've got a key in the article over at fantasyguru.com so you can read it. It's in purple. It's really easy to find. Uh, 0.6 is in the borderline all-star to decent starting pitcher range. So this is it's a usable player, right? And it's a league average, which makes sense. Over 0.7, like 0.7 to 0.9 is you're an all-star level performer. And over 0.9 means you're balling. Like that's a Hall of Fame level kind of season. And as you can see, Based upon the little graph there, Tyler Glasnow was over one. I mean, and and that's why everyone's so excited about Tyler Glasnow. Based on that graph there, Ray, I'm seeing a lot of guys who are constantly injured. Well, that's I, I chose the 100 to 50, 159 range. Yeah. Because um, you know I got to leave something for people that necessarily aren't subscribing. You can go to the site and see more, but uh, or you just figure it out yourself. But yeah, this is this range, and I think this is a good range to look at because these are the guys, a lot of them, in the 100 to 159 inning range that. This is why Tyler Glasnow's ADP is in the top top 150, because if he throws 175, he's not going to throw 175 innings. But if he throws 175 innings, if Chris Sale throws 150 innings, you know the, these kind of guys can be dominant strikeout arms, and if they can control the the walk piece of this, they can have a lot of success. Uh, should point out, um, and he, he had a lot of innings last year, Ray, and most people would say, oh, it wasn't a good year, but Joe Ryan of Minnesota mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's he's 10 Ks per nine for his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he is th- what 2.3. So that's uh, what 7.8 mm-hmm. uh, divided, you know, by all, all this stuff. So you can probably figure it out. But but he's elite, Ray. Yeah. In, in this category. Yep. And quite simply, it kind of makes him attractive to me. You know, I, I, he doesn't have the name of glass now. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of got the game of glass now. And, and you don't have to pay as much for Joe Ryan versus Tyler Glasnow. Yeah, Joe Ryan, last year, there was only one pitcher that qualified for the area title that was better in SWIP. And I think everyone knows it's Spencer Strider, right, because of all the strikeout. Joe Ryan was second. And, you know, he he you know he had a number of 1.01. Again, remember, if you're over one, that's a Hall of Fame level season. That's fantastic. 
he blew away Garrett Cole at 0.8. And not that, not that there's anything wrong with Garrett Cole. He's a, one of the most consistent guys in this measure as well. But yeah, Joe Ryan is a name that, you know, you look at this list and you see names like Gaussman and Pablo Lopez, Zach Wheeler, and Joe Ryan. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. If you have Swip, do you need to get rid of Ks? Because now we're double counting. It, it, yeah. You have to go one or the other. I think that. I don't think people have to use SWIP as a category in their league. I think okay. for me, it's more of an instructive tool to understand how a pitcher's performing. So gotcha. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't say you got to step this in. I'm, I'm fine with keeping strikeouts in some form on its own. If you wanted to go to this, I don't have a problem with it. But yeah, be careful about the double counting. Uh, tomorrow we'll talk about something that does replace WHIP, uh, whether you're using SWIP or not. Okay. Uh, one other quick note in baseball: Philadelphia. Remember Andrew Painter? That was a guy 12 months ago that everybody was drafting. Um, I grabbed him in the dynasty league. Let's just say I've got a lot of egg on my face. He didn't pitch at all last season. Tommy John surgery. And now, Ray, they're saying he may not pitch this season. You know, he's really, really young. What is he, 20? So they're going to take it slow with him. But, uh, man, dynasty league owners everywhere <laughs> get nothing from this guy. I started my dynasty league. I, I took over a squad. I think Ray's in this league. I am. First pick was Andrew Pater. It's been a disaster ever since. <laughs> and this is the thing, like, you know, that those leagues dynasty league and that's a what is it 14 15 team league we got like 50 roster spots it's the full dynasty league i picked ricky teedman last year and yeah. he was hurt and had bicep issues and everyone's excited about him again this year but how many innings is he gonna throw because he was under 50 i think last year it's the same thing man you take these youngsters i took sixto sanchez years ago i held on to him for like four years and he did crap nothing starting pitching uh, pitching of any kind is a huge risk if you're talking about having a guy and building a team around him like we're both talking about doing. Yeah, not going to make or break the Phillies this year, but certainly a guy they'd uh, like to get in the big leagues at some point. Everybody loves his talent. We just got to get him on the field and get that arm back into working shape. Okay, let's move away from the uh, baseball. Get you a little football as we get closer and closer to the uh, Super Bowl uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, Each and every day we've been talking about a Super Bowl topic, a matchup. I think Ray and then Justin yesterday talked tight ends. Uh, Today, Ray, we get into the nitty-gritty, the the battle in the trenches. And I bring this up because – uh, Kansas City could have an issue here with facing the, the 49ers front. And a lot of it is because of what the 49ers bring to the table up front. They got skill like crazy. Joey Bosa is just part of that. Uh, but also Kansas City, Nick Allegretti, probably going to be playing for Joe Thune again. Doesn't sound like, like Thune's playing. I, I was looking up some uh, numbers and write-ups following that Ravens game, the, the AFC Championship. Nick Allegrelli, he was a fill-in O-guard. We never talk about offensive guards. I get it. But, Ray, he was no good in that game against Baltimore. Filling in. Uh, gave up four pressures up the middle, which is bad. Gave up a sack and graded out well below average in run blocking. Like, it was just not. And if you, again, look at San Francisco, Ray, this is where they have a strength. And what would it be? Mm-hmm. Armstead and Hargrave, I think they kind of cause the issues in the middle there for San Francisco. Again, it's not fancy. It's not exciting. It's not Kittle. It's not Swift. But that that offensive line, defensive line matchup, Ray, is a big one come Sunday. Oh, it's huge. And, you know, we've, we've hit it at it. So is everyone that's really covering this game. Um, it's a big deal, right? And the Niners defense, for the Niners to have success, they got to be able to pressure Mahomes. Because if Mahomes can sit back in that pocket, he's going to pick that defensive backfield apart. It's mm-hmm. just going to happen. Chiefs know that. That's their goal, but they, you know, Thune, the health, he's not going to play. Um, Algretti that you'd mentioned is okay, but, you know, that's a big challenge. Uh, Jawan Taylor, 
Uh, leads the league in penalties for an offensive lineman. I think he has three more penalties in the in the postseason. And, and doesn't he get Bosa? I mean, that's he gets Bosa. Be yeah. yeah, most penalized player on the offensive line this season. So that's so they're they they could get pressure up the middle. They could, could get pressure around the edge. Uh, it's going to be tough, and I think it is one of the keys to the game. Can the offensive line of the Chiefs slow down the Niners? And, and that matchup with Bosa too. Um, well, one thing that you know the Chiefs run a lot of these. Uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm thinking? Uh, the the jet sweep. You know they do a lot of that with running backs. They'll even you know or wide receivers. They'll hand it off to Kelsey too. They do the misdirection thing. You know where Mahomes will fake a handoff and the whole line goes one way and Mahomes rolls the other way. And and that's what they're going to have to do against Bosa because he is a, a guy Ray who loves to charge up the field. He loves to come at you hard from the outside or even switch off and come up the middle. I bring this up, too, because one thing to keep in mind, Isaiah Pacheco, who we talked about earlier in the week, I wonder how often, Ray, he is kept in for pass blocking to be that chip block artist. And, you know, why does it matter to the fantasy owner or the wagerer out there? Um, His over under right now for receptions is two and a half, and it's a heavy to the over on two and a half. But if you go under rates plus 130, and I, I wonder if that could be a decent bet just if he's left to stay in and kind of help with blocking more than usual against the ski line. I think he's going to touch the ball a lot. Yeah. But it might be on the ground where we've seen the Niners bleed a little bit, right? Uh, the pass catching. I mean, the the, the Chiefs, the, the, the issue with betting any prop with Chiefs receivers is, I mean, you know Rice is going to get his targets. You know Kelsey is going to get his targets. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. I mean, they could come out here and the plan could be to throw the ball 40 times. The plan could be to throw the ball 27 times. Like, you just don't know what the Chiefs are going to do. And uh, we did hear that, excuse me, we hear that McKinnon is is not going to play. Yeah, so, forget that. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, that doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So, I I mean, I three, four catches is what Pacheco has been called upon to do. You know, that's, how, that's his role in the offense when McKinnon's been down. But – I don't know. I still think they they got to get the ball in his hands. Be my guess. They got to they got to involve the backfield. They can't just make this about Rice and Kelsey. I don't know if that is enough to win the football game. Um, our actual prop of the day is number of sacks for the Niners. Ray, it's set at one and a half, which seems really really low. Um, the over is minus one fifty five. The under is plus one thirty. This is another prop that I, you know, the the under is a little bit attractive, and here's why. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I don't think, is going to be throwing the football 40 times. I think it's going to be closer to 30, 35 times. Uh, For his career, he's sacked about 1.6 times for every 40 passes. So you just kind of play the math here. But, again, he's not playing the 49ers every week. But I I think, Ray, they're going to have a lot of quick hitters to to not even give a chance. I I, I don't love that bet, but the plus 130 is, is a pretty decent payoff for a decent chance at a bet working. Uh, But, again, I just hate you know, taking an under of one and a half against this 49ers D line against this Chiefs O line. The, the, the argument would be they'll make this quick. You know, yep. it's always going to be in the shotgun. He's yep. never under center. Yep. And it's going to be a lot of quick hitters, you know, with he's got the football out in three seconds, I think. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's, he's very athletic. He's not a runner per se. He'll run. Right. But he's very athletic. He slides in the pocket. He avoids pressure. Like he, he throws some weird angles all over the field. He sees like he is a problem. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a problem for a defense. But I think when you talk about the issues on the offensive line that, that we discussed, and you talk about the strength of the Niners, 
they're going to have to get after him again. They're going to mm-hmm. have to do it to win the football game. One and a half is a pretty low number. I agree with you. Even though Patrick Mahomes, I think one and a half is a pretty low number, Kyle. Uh, a couple of other things in the NFL. Uh, let's see. Running game guru Greg Roman, remember him from Baltimore, uh, is now with the Chargers. He's going to be their OC. And, Ray, we probably got a different backfield in L.A. So it'll be interesting. There are a lot of free agents out there. Barkley, Jacobs, um, a couple of others that are escaping my name or escaping my memory right now. Obviously, Eckler is one of those guys. But uh, you could certainly go out and uh, get some help. Derrick Henry, even. What do you think Greg Roman would do with Derrick Henry, Ray? That'd be exciting. He'd run him. Yeah. And, and, you know, just throwing that out there, Ray, like Henry's still, ha- he's still pretty good. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. cooked. Derrick Henry, you're probably getting on a one or two year deal, honestly. And it's probably not going to cost you an arm and a leg, right? Uh-huh. Nope. And if he's interested in, in maybe taking a shot, I mean, you're joining Harbaugh, you're joining Herbert, you got Keenan Allen, you got Greg Roman, who's going to run the football. Like that, that could maybe work. Um, but do you think, hey, Greg Roman has this reputation? He's going to have to change it for Justin Herbert. You know, that's kind of the tug and pull here is Herbert. When you have that weapon, Ray, you kind of want him throwing the football 40 mm-hmm. times a game. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you stylistically extremely different than Lamar Jackson, of course. Extremely different. But how many times in, in Greg Roman's life has he had Lamar Jackson? Like, it's not like this guy, you know, was given a job and never thought about offense before and then just tailored the system <laughs> to Lamar Jackson. You know, that's he, he was with the Niners and he, you know, he dealt with, with a variety of quarterbacks that were athletic and not athletic. Uh, I think that. Herbert, kind of like Mahomes, is athletic. He can move. He's not a runner, but he, you know, he can move. He's not a statuesque guy in the pocket, but they'll they'll figure this out. And you know, there's rumors that Bowers, the you know, the tight end could go to the, the mm-hmm. Chargers too, because of their issues at the wide receiver position. All of a sudden we got weapons all over the field. I think on balance, it's a it's a good signing. And uh, as Jeff Mann said on his show yesterday on Sirius XM, we want the, the Chargers running back, whoever it is, yeah. we want him in 2024. Yeah, we got to find out who it is, uh, no doubt. Remember, on the defensive side, they got individuals. I mean, they're paying some money to some individuals there. They got to get the whole collective together. But it's a team that could certainly uh, make a pretty strong turnaround in, in its first year. Finally, Zach Wilson uh, said to be on the trading block. Uh, some reporting rate indicates sixth or seventh rounder for Zach Wilson. I- I'll say this. If I were the Jets, I'm holding on to him. Keep him as a backup to Aaron Rodgers. Last year, the argument was Rodgers is going to teach this kid something. You know, that was the argument. It never happened because Rodgers was hurt rehabbing. Uh, but I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe, Ray, they're willing to take a, a seventh rounder. or Maybe they're going to cut him. He's he's got like five million bucks, I think, this year. He's kind of toxic as a trade uh, trade piece, I think. <laughs> yeah, you see Bag of Rocks leaving the screen right now. Kyle's yeah. comment earlier well, about what you did. Bag of Rocks, Ray? Yeah, uh, it was a big bag. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean... The answer to this for me is all about the stuff we don't know everything about. Like, can Zach Wilson, you know, does he have to get out of New York? Is it just over? Is he mentally done? Do his teammates support him or hate him? Right? That kind of thing. Because we all know it's Aaron Rodgers' show. So I think it comes down to the mental piece here. If you're going to get a seventh round pick, is like, <laughs> I mean, talent wise, he's certainly above the seventh round pick, mm-hmm. right? Is, is it worth doing that? Or do you, like you said, continue to work with them? Have Aaron Rodgers with him or have the Jets themselves? Our coaching staff just said, no, it's been years now. He just doesn't get it. That happens. So we'll see. I mean, someone will probably trade for him. 
I think it'll probably happen just like Trey Lance with the Niners. Someone will make a move, and then we'll see if he gets out on the football field. We need to get a, a Thursday night football like altered uh, game call, you know, where we don't have to watch Michaels and Herb Street, kind of like they do on Monday. And Ray, I want uh, Zach Wilson and Josh Rosen to do oh, it. Yeah. Josh Rosen was on my dynasty team. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's not anymore. He's not anymore. <laughs> he was for a couple years. Yeah. You're not holding on to that. <laughs> I'm not holding on to that. Uh, okay, that'll do it for this uh, Wednesday edition. Tomorrow, we'll start to dig a bit more into the Super Bowl as we lead up to Sunday. Uh, we do have a request out to one Jeff Manns for Friday. We'll see if he graces us with his presence. I do know Ray and Jeff are going to be going today. Sirius mm -hmm. XM Fantasy Sports Radio, 3 Eastern, right, Ray? 3 or 5 Monday through Friday for the yeah. show, and uh, I'm on every Wednesday, so today, yes. So you get uh, a little bit of break from Jeff as uh, Ray will be in there as a buffer for all of our ears. No, I can't. I can't. Uh, that'll do it for us. We're back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Big thanks to everybody uh, tuning in today, and we'll catch you on Thursday here at FantasyGuru.com.